All right, hey everybody, good morning. It is so good when the church gathers again today. Let me say welcome to you. I'm in my favorite place uh, with some of my favorite people. And uh, I feel like I need to say I missed you. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I've been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, my wife Kim and I were on vacation. That's right. A little fantastic 11-day getaway. And uh, during that time, I hope you're excited about this. Uh, during that time while we were away, we celebrated our 28th anniversary. So that's my bright, shiny star right there. Come on. Yeah, all the glory to God, all the credit goes to Kim. Um, we're so thankful for it. But you know what we did this time while we were away and we were at our anniversary dinner? Um, we, we created a little challenge. We were like, could we remember? Like, how many anniversaries could we remember? So we went all the way back to year one. That was pretty easy to remember. Um, that was kind of a home run kind of anniversary celebration. We could remember two, three, four. We were doing pretty good. We had a pretty good run on remembering every anniversary celebration out of 28. Well, we forgot a few, guaranteed. We were like, you know, we have four kids. There were times we were like, uh, I think we just ate cake, you know, like it was a lot of years. But you know what? Here's, this, here's the good news. We took a vote last Saturday night while we were having our anniversary dinner. And this anniversary, our 28th anniversary, we decided this one was the best. Number one out of 28. Come on. Anybody think that's a good, that was a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, all the, all the, again, all the glory to God. He's been so, it's just, that is, to me, that's just a glimpse of God's goodness. That's what it is. Well, today is a special day, okay, near and dear to my heart. We need to celebrate a little bit because it is, it's Father's Day. Yes, it's time to celebrate. Come on, dads, come on. If you're thankful for your dad, if you're your spouse, come on, kids, let's cheer for them. Come on, if you love your dads, let's hear it. Come on. That's for you guys, and we really are. We are thankful for every man. Men, you need to know God has purpose. God has plans. You are essential. You're, you're essential to your family. Uh, you are essential to this church. Your church family needs you, and, uh, and so it's right for us to celebrate you. Um, even as I look around the room, uh, I see some, there's some, even some of my spiritual dads are in the house right now. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I hope that you are too. Um, you know, I just, I wanted to say this. Got this picture of the legacy. Dads, let me just give you some encouragement. Uh, the power and the impact that you have. Got a picture of legacy this week. Actually watched the, uh, the Celtics game six of the NBA. Any basketball fans in the house? Any Celtics people? Let me hear it. Yeah. Um, Steve Prescott promotes the Celtics every... So as a callback to Steve, let me talk Celtics for a minute. Uh, I'm not a huge basketball fan. That was the one game out of, what, 140 that I watched. Um, but the starting, the starting lineup for the NBA championship, there's only 10 men on the court. Five of them, their dads, played in the NBA. I won't talk about legacy Come on, I want to talk about manly, God, the legacy, the influence of a man. Men, you make a difference. 50% of the starters in the best game, the best men in the world at the sport, oh, that's just a legacy from their dads. And then if you watch the game, at the end of the game, Steph Curry, he doesn't even run down the court. He just gives his dad a big hug because the number one player in the NBA, his dad was a player in the NBA. Come on, there's a legacy. There's a power that we have. There's a tumbling down of blessing from generations. That's why we celebrate 
celebrate our men. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, my dad wasn't all that. Um, thank God you have a heavenly father. Jesus said, when you pray, how about you pray like this? Hey, dad, so you can celebrate God or celebrate your dad. Come on, give it all you've got. Thank you, Lord, that you're our heavenly father. And no matter what happens in this earth, we have a blessing from you. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, um, <laughs> we have a gift for you. And this is for every man in the house, okay? 18 and older, every guy that's here, we want to celebrate you with rock church barbecue sauce. Yes, the great return. Men actually calendar this. Um, guys tell me they put it in their calendar. They want to make sure they're at church on Father's Day uh, because, guys, we want to give you some rock church barbecue sauce when you leave. I know some men double dip. Okay, some men are here first service and they come back second service to get a second. Uh-huh, I see, I see. And I'm going to cheer for it because, guys, this is your permission slip. That's what this is. Uh, because this deserves, this deserves some, some great ribs, some great steak, some great cut. And so, guys, this is your permission slip on the way home to buy the absolute best cut of meat uh, for you to celebrate Father's Day. We're thankful for guys. Grab one of these on the way out. Um, we do have a photo booth, too. Get a family photo on the way out. I'm so thankful for our church. You know, we just get to do this together. So uh, with that, uh, just welcome those. I know there's some people that are here for the very first time. You are our honored guests. And uh, we've been doing everything we can to prepare this time for you. We, we want it to be the best hour of your week because we get to encounter God's presence and we get to do it together. And so uh, if you're new, uh, please, I'd love to just make an introduction in the hallway, but our Connection Central is the place for you to check in. And we have a gift for you too. So I won't tell you what it is, but it's worth your time. Brand new, stop by Connection Central. Uh, those of you that are online, thanks for being a part of the Rock Church. So here we go, you ready? We're at the conclusion of our code series. This is the one you've been waiting for. Okay, code, we've said this week by week, but it's kind of, what, what's unique? What's very distinct? Um, or what, what are the non-negotiables of Rock Church culture? What are the things that define us? And you knew this was gonna be on the list. Okay, if you're looking at the wall out in the hallway, you saw it there, you were looking forward to it, because this is the one that all of us want to know. What does it mean to live by these two words? And this is our code statement of the day. Again, it's just two words. It is choose joy. Choose joy. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants to be in a place that they end joy. So we want to make it really clear. Two little words. Let's say them out loud and together. What are we going to do? We are going to... Oh, you better put a big old smile on your face. Come on, one more time. We are going to? There you go. All right. It's a privilege for me to teach this to you. Okay, because really, I want you, I want you to love the life that God has given to you. And for too many people, I know they've been given life by Jesus, but they don't have joy. They don't enjoy. Rejoicing isn't a characteristic, but it is God's plan. But just because it's God's plan does not mean that you will automatically experience it. And you know this because you've met people, some of them church people. They look like they were baptized in vinegar. They just scrunched up, mean, messed up. They, they look like Yoda on Sunday morning. Mm, Christian I am. Miserable I will be. You know, like, what? Come on, I don't get it. I believe Jesus has something more for us. Joy. There ought to be joy in the house. So, joy is something we all want. 
But this code statement tells us it's going to take, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to require something else. It is a choice. Choose. Choose. Now, I've said every week that I want to start with a strong theological foundation. I want to bring you right to the scriptures. So I'm going to take you to the textbook on joy. Uh, I'm going to bring you to the ultimate, the introduction chapter, chapter one of the textbook on joy. And it is the book of Philippians. Philippians. So go ahead, open your Bibles to Philippians. Um, if you are just text savvy and you're just doing the online thing and you got your uh, your electronic Bible, go ahead and click to the book of Philippians chapter 1. If you have your paper Bible, come on, I want to hear those pages turning. Uh, Philippians is in the New Testament. After the Gospels, you find four big books and in four little books. Philippians is in those little books. If you reach anything with a T, you've gone too far. Or go to your table of contents. Here it is, Philippians, page 15, 15. Go there, and I'll see you there. All right, Philippians, it gives us principles on how to live a joy-filled life. And I want to dive right into this. I need to make it clear right up front that this is a true thing. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. I, I, because of the, these words are so much the same, they, they have similar, they're, they're synonyms. They're cinnamons. They're not, no, they're not cinnamons. They're words that are alike. You know what that is. Um, they're not the same, though. Okay, happiness, happiness is a sense of satisfaction based on the circumstances. Oh, we, we, could, we could do some things right now make you happy. Happy. If I told you that in celebration of Father's Day, for every, for I, that I have an envelope with $500 in it. I mean, 500 crisp bills for every person in the room. Come on, if I said that, how would you feel? Yeah, you start to you feel happy right away. You start to feel good. But then I said, you know what? Actually, I changed my mind. I only have the $500 gift for people sitting in this section. And the happiness quotient disappears. In fact, you begin to get sad. You begin to get mad. You're looking at your spouse like, what do we sit here for? Why don't we sit over there where all the money is? And all of you still feel so. I could create an emotional imbalance. Why? Because it's external. It's a result. Of, that's what it is to be happy. Joy. Joy is so very, very different. Because joy is a sense of delight. Or it's the pleasure that you feel that is regardless of circumstances. We're talking about the joy of the Lord, that Jesus is our source. There's a different source, and it's not something on the outside, it's inside. That the gospel, the Bible says that when we receive and believe the gospel, that there's a deposit of joy in you. There's a fruit of the Spirit to be developed. Oh, there's so much to learn. You ready? To our textbook, Philippians chapter 1. You need to know that Philippians... It's written by the Apostle Paul. It's a personal letter because he's writing to people that he knows. Philippians, they're in the city of Philippi. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is, we're just simplifying it right down to man code, okay? <laughs> people that live in Philippi are called Philippians, <laughs> just like people that live in Maine are called Mainers. So he's writing to a group of people in a city, Philippi, and as he writes to them, it's a very personal letter. These are people that he knows. Paul had lived in this city for a considerable period of time. He knew the people in the church. But you would need to know as he's writing that he's writing from prison. In other words, Paul is writing this letter with one hand chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And he's writing the letter with the other hand. Come on. How many of you could write a letter with joy? Oh, you would need to know that when Paul was in Philippi, he was put in prison in Philippi. And here he is years later and he's put in prison again. What kind of letter would you write if that was your circumstances? I know so many people, come on, and I'm telling you, so many people will be like, it happened again. 
You won't believe my life. I was in prison before. Now I'm in prison. I can't get a break. How many, how many of us think you would write this letter with a clenched fist of anger or frustration? <laughs> and none of us wants that. We all know that we don't want to be that person. So how? How do we choose joy? You ready? Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. I want to read you the first eight verses. We're just going to experience the scriptures, eight verses all together, all at the same time, and then I want to break down and bring out some principles. So here we go. Philippians 1 and verse 1 says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, he's, he's like, you're my family and friends. Okay, there's just, I, I wrote in the notes, we're, we're on mission together. They're, they're, just, they're just in this. And here's what Paul says. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank. Everybody say thank. I thank. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy. Everybody say joy with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Mm, my heart. Ever put your hand on your chest? Just tap your heart for a minute. Just be like, mm, you're in my heart. I care about these people. It, it, there's a whole bunch of things going on outside, but the relationships do something in me. Have you in my heart? All of you share in God's grace with me. We're together. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ. Three principles. Right away, I want to give you three principles so that we can choose joy. So take notes, notable notes, write these things down, um, screenshot it, whatever it is. Here's the big idea. If you want to choose joy, you need meaningful relationships with other believers. Did you know that joy, joy comes through relationships that have depth, commitment, and meaningful connection. Let me bring you right back to the verses we just read. We read it in verse 7 and 8. Apostle Paul said, it's right for me to feel. Joy is a feeling, okay? It's okay. You can be in touch with your emotions, even on Father's Day. You can be in touch with this. He says, it's right for me to feel this way. But it's not coming from the outside. He's in prison. Joy isn't coming from his circumstances. It's right for me to feel this way because there's something inside. I have you in my heart. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, we are knit together. These are relationships that go beyond mere acquaintance, okay? We, we got to get past the, how are you? Good. You? Good. And you? Good. Like, guys, we can go deeper than this, okay? He's saying we've been there. We've gone through the hard times together. But his, what he endured in prison and the suffering, I'll come back to this, but they were there with him in his most difficult moments. They've been with it through thick and thin. Some of you, some of you are already troubled. You're like, oh, pastor, 
Come on, you're, you're, putting on, you're putting on your holy as you can be kind of attitude right now. Some of you, it might be someone online, you got your holiness kind of halo going on, and you're like, oh, pastor, doesn't joy come from prayer? Don't we find joy in the Bible? Don't we need to shout a hallelujah for a source of joy? <laughs> where are my religious people at? Come on, where, where are you at? And we'll get to that. We'll get to that, okay? Those are all a part of this path and sources of joy. But here's what I think we miss. I think so many people say, oh, I'm going to pray my way to joy, or I'll read my way to joy, or sing my way to joy. And those are all elements. Those are good avenues. Don't ignore them. But I want to highlight what's so unexpected and what is so often missing in believers. And that is this big idea. This is it. You've got to get this one. To choose joy, it requires meaningful relationships with other believers. Paul says, these circumstances are not what I want. Prison's not my choice, okay? But because we're together, I can choose joy. This is a snapshot of the plan that God has for your life. Church is not a building. Church is not an organization. Church is a group of people deeply committed to God and committed to each other. It's a spiritual family. We've been saying this. We've been saying this so consistently for weeks, trying to bring clarity to it. Five, six weeks ago, I said, hey, y'all should be able to open up your smartphones, go to your contact list, and how many people in this room are in your contact list? How many people do you know at your church that you could text today? You've got to have it. Oh, and it's not just sit there in your contact list. You've got to actually text them, okay? You're like, I got four numbers. I haven't texted them in 12 years, but I got four. No, no, that doesn't count. Okay, it's not just a number. These are people that are actually friends. I actually already today have received from two groups of friends, guys that are just so encouraging to me. I've already received texts from two groups of friends today encouraging back and forth, wishing each other happy Father's Day, telling them, man, you're the best dad. No, 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 I'm the best dad. You're just, you're working on it, whatever. They're just giving such encouragement. And the real encouragement that comes, one of the guys in the text group uh, is my buddy Anthony. And his dad went home to be with the Lord this year. That's, that's, that's a little bit hard this year. Okay, there's, there's an emotion of sadness that comes with that, and that's appropriate because of the loss. But you know what Anthony said? He said, I have hope. I can choose joy because I know something about where my father is today. And, and I texted back, oh, I have an even better reason to choose joy. Is your dad and my dad are high-fiving each other in heaven today. Come on, the, the relationship that we share on this earth is going to be the relationship that we share in heaven one day. And I said, no, by the way, I think my dad already gave your dad flying lessons. So when we get up there, we'll all be flying together because that's really what God has planned for all of us. And come on, God is good. And do you have close friends to make this journey with. So here's what I want you to know. We as a church do everything we can do to encourage, to create opportunity for these relationships. Uh, it starts with it. You know, Josh just said it this morning. Josh just did a, such a great job introducing. What are the avenue? Where do I find these people? Certainly you find these people in our small groups. This week, 100% of us, I'm so confident that every person hearing my voice is joining a group right now. You're going through the Now page. You're using your Church Center app, and you are finding some people. But don't expect... To only see them Tuesday night for an hour. Expect to share a meal together. Expect these to be the people you go to the lake with this summer. They're the ones that you're going to go watch a great movie like Top Gun with. Come on. Somebody ought to have some friends in the house and share life together. Small groups. This is the week. 
Folks, every, even if you're brand new here, this is, the, this is the best next step is to get to know some people. Another avenue, again, we're just trying to make, I want to be practical, okay? If, if we need these deep relationships, where do we find them? Another avenue is chalk and talk. I just love the name of it. We, we have an event called Chalk and Talk. Come on, let's say it out loud. We have an event called Chalk and Talk. Chalk and Talk is something first Sunday of every month. We create an environment. It's actually in the back part of our parking lot. We've created this huge space with the parking lot. And after service on the first Sunday of every month, we create room for you to gather with friends. Gather with family. Come on, families, they, they, with the minivan crowd, they got the bicycles loaded in the back and Chalk and Talk. They just, kids are drawing chalk on the, on the pavement. Bicycles are riding. We got the area roped up. We even put up a volleyball net for you. Come on, have some fun. Play, bring picnic lunch, enjoy time together. Develop some close relationships. Not with everybody. Okay, you can't be close to five, six hundred people, but a few people. Chalk and Talk's a great way to meet some people. One other avenue that's right now, um, coming up three weeks from today, we have a concert that is happening here, and these are great musicians. This is a Christian music band. Um, these are people that I know personally. Chad Matson, Ariel John, um, they're a great, they, they, they create great Christian music, worship environments, and it is fun. In fact, these guys are so much fun. The last time they were in town, they allowed my daughter to kick off the show. Uh, my daughter and her friend Rachel stood up on stage, you know, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in Portland, Maine, unspoken. Yeah! I was like, that's so cool. And why am I telling you about unspoken? Because this is a place where as a church family, we should gather. I'm telling you, go and buy tickets to the event. You're like, buy tickets? Why would I buy tickets? Because as soon as you buy tickets, I guarantee you'll show up. That's why. It'll get its place in your calendar and it'll stay there. And what are we doing? This is one of the most spiritual things you can do is you are prioritizing your relationships with your spiritual family. You're going to share that experience. When I, when I thumb back through some of my photo streams and my photo albums, some of my, my favorite memories and our, our family's closest memories with other families were a, were a concert like this. We've done so many Christian concerts with other families in this church, and we just have great memories together. Can I encourage you? Do it. Sign up today. Do not miss out. You've got to get your life past one hour with the people that you should have close relationships with. You ready? Here we go. Three things. We've got to have deep, meaningful relationships. If you're going to choose joy, you know what else you need? Another avenue to joy is knowing that God has a plan for my life. Okay, joy comes when our actions and our priorities align with God's purpose. And we trust. Everybody say trust. We trust that God has a plan. What is God's plan for your life? We know God's plan begins with salvation. Oh, if you have not received the goodness of God through salvation, if you have not received the forgiveness of your sins, Jesus died on the cross to show how much he loved you. He said, my plan is to offer salvation, to provide a way for every person to know God. If you haven't received that, it's your first step for God's plan. But his plan doesn't end there. He has purpose. Real joy happens when you live on Purpose. Look what the Apostle Paul would say about purpose. Here's how he has joy. He says, here's how I've got joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership. What are they in partnership with? We're in partnership in the gospel from the very first day that he was in Philippi all the way up until now. We're partners in a purpose much bigger than my convenience, than my comfort. It takes some sacrifice to live on purpose but you will experience real joy. Come on, we are living on purpose together. 
You realize every person hearing my voice, Rock Church, online, in person, we live on mission. Okay, we are called by, Jesus said, I have sent you. Go therefore to the, go to the ends of the what? Go to the ends of the, which is what? It is the state of, yeah, only four of you know it. Listen, let me just interpret the Greek for you. When it says go to the ends of the earth, in Greek that interprets right down to the word Maine. Okay, go to Maine. We're there. We're at the ends of the earth. And we live on mission together. And what we do, what, what begins in this celebration environment, what begins when we begin to worship and declare the goodness of God out loud, we're, we're just beginning to realign ourselves every week, every gathering with the purpose of God. And then we study the word of God so we can go live out the will of God. The purpose of God is a source of joy for you. And then he says, oh, this, hey, being confident of this, that he who began a good work, the beginning of the good work is the work of salvation. If you've not received that gift, well, you can receive that gift today. I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to close with communion. Best time to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Having begun a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion. You know what that means? God's not done. You want a real source of joy? You need to know God is not done. You need joy in your marriage? You need to know God's not done with your spouse. <laughs> he's still working on them, and he's still working on you. Um, you want joy as a parent? Those of you that are parenting teenagers, you realize there was a season where Kim and I were parenting three teenagers at the same time. We did not think that through. When we were a young couple in love and having kids, we just didn't realize what that was aligning to. Hey, you realize God's not done with your teenagers. They'll become 20-somethings, and they're awesome. No, our kids were awesome as teens, too. We, got, we were blessed. But God's at work. He's not done. Catch this. Everything in life is not always good, but God is using it to accomplish his will, his good, his purpose. It doesn't matter what circumstances you face, as long as you understand God has a plan for my life. Purpose prevails. Say that out loud. Come on. Purpose prevails. You know what? I think the Apostle Paul, I think he was a ping pong ball kind of guy. You thought I was going to forget about these, didn't you? Because I was on vacation for a few weeks. I did not forget about the ping pong balls or the ping pong ball wall. I think the Apostle Paul realized that this, this is why these are so important for us. We still have the pray for one ping pong ball wall outside, which every time I say that, I just feel so good. Like as a pastor, just being able to say that tongue twister out loud correctly is quite an achievement. I know for the listeners, you think this is, you know, easy, but come on, somebody. Ping pong ball wall. And it reminds us of our mission. It reminds us of God's purpose. The first ball, the white ball, is we are going to do what? We're going to blank for one. We're going to do what? We're going to pray. We're going to pray for one. And you know what? The Apostle Paul prayed. The Apostle Paul was always praying for one. He was always praying for one person. Or maybe he was praying for one city. As he was approaching the city of Philippi, I guarantee he was praying for the city of Philippi. I guarantee he was praying for one opportunity. Let me expand this for you for a moment. Because we did talk about pray for one, pray for one person. And I have a person's name written on one of these white ping pong balls in the wall. But you know, you may be praying for one opportunity. You may not know what person it is yet. You realize as Paul approached Philippi, he didn't know who he was praying for, he was just praying. And maybe you need to take that attitude when you go to work. 
Maybe as you approach main med early in the morning and you've got your gear on, ready for work and ready to serve, and it's been a tough season for years, but you're still steady and caring for people. Maybe as you approach main med, you need to say, I'm praying for one person at main med. I'm praying for one opportunity. Maybe as you approach the restaurant that you serve at, maybe it's your sports team, and you say, I'm praying, I don't know which one of these people on my sports team would be open to the gospel, but I'm praying there's one. Maybe we need to a few more white ping pong balls where you write, you know, I, I, my Gorham soccer team and begin to pray for that. Maybe you're serving over the summer at a camp and you put my, the camp counselors and you're praying for just one of them to discover. I think Paul was all about the ping pong ball wall because the Bible says that Paul was put in prison. And while he was in prison, a miraculous thing happened. I'll tell you the story in a moment. But after the miracle, he was able to talk about the goodness of God. He was able to share the gospel message. That's what this green ping pong ball is for. And, and I believe we can begin to drop some more of these in the wall. When you have a conversation with a coworker, when you have a family member that says, why are you so joyful? And you say, God's done something in my heart. Joy doesn't come from the circumstances on the outside. There's something God's done on the inside. I'm living on purpose. I'm a part of a church that's making a difference. We're a group of people who matter in the state of Maine for eternity. And you share the good news? Man, drop that in there because Paul shared the good news. But you know what happened after he shared the good news? That man made a decision of faith, the gold ping pong ball. Not only him, but his whole family. And the Bible says they were baptized. I believe Paul was all about the ping pong ball wall because he knew that you got to live on purpose. And it's seeing that God's plan may be different than our plan. It's having faith amidst circumstances that do not look encouraging. I think this is the moment to tell the story of the African king. Y'all know the story of the African king? It was an African king. Uh, he had a best friend that they would spend a lot of time together with. One of the reasons the king loved being with this friend is because he was so positive. He would always answer every situation with, it is good. It is good. And so the king would take his friend most places he went. One day the king and his friend went hunting together. And he was like, we're going hunting? It is good. Well, the friend was loading the gun for the king, loaded it incorrectly. As the king drew up to fire on some wild game in the African continent, his gun misfired and it blew his thumb right off his hand. And his friend said, it is good. And he began bandaging him up. The king said, it is not good, and I don't like your attitude. And the king actually threw his friend in anger. He threw his friend in jail. Well, about a year later, the king was out hunting again, and uh, he had wandered into some dangerous territory, actually wandered into territory where there were cannibals. They captured the king, and as they were taking him, they were going to tie him up and cook him. And as they were tying him up, they realized he was missing his thumb. Well, this tribe of cannibals is very superstitious, and they, they believe that if someone's missing something, they're, they're, they're not whole. They wouldn't want to eat a curse or something that's, that's incomplete or cursed. And so they released him because he's missing his thumb. And the king felt so bad about his friends, so he went back to the prison. And he said, friend, I, I'm, I, I really i am so sorry, and I want to release you. And the friend said, that's okay. It is good. The king's like, you've been in jail for a year. How do you say it's good? He goes, well, if you hadn't put me in jail, I would have been out hunting with you. And I got both my thumbs. Come on, somebody. Can you see? Can you see beyond to a purpose? You got to realize God is not done and he has a plan. Choose joy. It is a bit of a defiant statement. It is a bit of a resilient statement. 
I know there are people in the room right now who experience great, great loss very, very recently. And this choose joy is an expression of hope that sees beyond this current moment. Come on, we got to live on purpose. One more. Okay, how do we choose joy? Deep, meaningful relationships. Knowing that God has a plan. Oh, and you got to connect to that plan through purpose. It's not just that you can watch the plan. Paul was fully engaged in the plan. He was active in his serve to God and others. And you need to be. So if you have not connected with something like Growth Track and a place of serving your church family, that kind of connection, I encourage you when we start next month, be a part of Growth Track first week. Why? Because you live in the middle of purpose. When you join a team, that's why it's so important as a church we, we, to be committed to what mission we're on. When you join a team, every other week for one service, you know I'm living in purpose. I'm living on purpose. It's a gift we give to you. When you go to life journey and you begin to be discipled and, and, and be confident that you can disciple someone else, that's what God's called you to do. When you gain that confidence, you live on purpose. And it brings you a joy that overcomes circumstances. And you just remember, because I got my thumbs, so I'm going to live joyful today. All right, final thing. And I believe this is the most important of all for us today. Is that we need to remember. We need to remember the good things. I don't know if you've developed this skill yet of being able to remember. Joy comes when we remember the good in life. Joy comes when we make the choice that begins in your mind and your heart to remember the good things. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Philippians chapter 1, the final verse. I thank my God every time I remember you. Say remember. In every prayer for all of you, I pray with joy for your partnership in the gospel till now. Do you remember how Paul came to Philippi? Hey, those of you that have been studying your Bible, you know that the first mention of this city of Philippi is not in the book of Philippians. It's back in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 tells us how Paul came to this city. He came to this city, went down by the river, began to share good news with people who lived there. Again, this is that pray for one, looking for an opportunity, shared the good news. People became believers. A, a woman named Lydia and then many other people in the city made decisions of faith. And so Paul and his companions, Acts 16, are traveling around the city of Philippi sharing good news. But there is a demon-possessed girl. I know this stuff is real, okay? Pay attention, everybody. And she's walking around behind Paul saying, these men are telling you the way to God. <laughs> these men are telling you the way to God. Why would she do that? I have no idea. But it wasn't motivated by a good thing because it was the demon. Maybe, maybe people knew that she was oppressed, possessed, and her words would actually discredit Paul. I don't know. Maybe she was just trying to shout him down in the streets. Whatever it was, Paul got so sick of it, he commanded the demon to come out. Boom. She's set free. The people that own her become so angry, they go to the city authorities and say, this man's stirring up the city, you need to lock him up. Acts chapter 16, I need to read you these words. Here's what happens to Paul. It says, they were stripped, beaten with rods, they were severely flogged, and thrown into prison. That's what happened to Paul in Philippi. He says, oh, when I think about Philippi, I remember you with what? Say it out loud. I remember you with joy. How many of you would remember Philippi with joy? How many of you would be like, that's the city that did me dirty. <laughs> Those are the people that did me wrong. That's the place where I was misunderstood. I still got scars on my back from you Philippians. 
That's what I remember about you. When I think of you, I think of injustice. When I think of you, I think about how you mistreated me. That's human nature, isn't it? It is human nature to go to the negative. It is natural for you to think about the nasty <laughs> and talk bad about what others did bad to you. You know the old farmer, farm wisdom. The old farmer said, you know what? Anybody can go out in the field and find a cow patty in the pasture of life. <laughs> think about it, you'll get it. It doesn't take any talent to focus on the negative. It doesn't take any effort at all. Human nature hangs on to hurts and it rehearses them. Church this is an important moment because somebody's going to find freedom today. The problem is when we choose the human way, when we choose that path, we choose a life without joy. Joy is gone when we hold on to the hurts of yesterday. We need to learn to remember it differently. Listen, there is not a person in this room who can't list people that did something wrong, how they cheated you, how they slandered you, what they gossiped about you, how they betrayed or maybe even hurt you. And here's Paul. But when he thinks about the Philippians, oh, he's got a list of things that they did wrong. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to rehearse those things. Ladies and gentlemen, when you rehearse the hurts, you embed that deeper into your mind and into your heart. It becomes harder for you to trust people. The more you rehearse the hurt, the harder it is for you to love people. When you think you are insulating yourself from the world around you, you are actually isolating yourself and creating a prison that holds you. And the Apostle Paul says, I refuse to do that. He closed with these final words. The Apostle Paul said, I thank. Everybody say thank. I thank. Oh, I'm not, I'm not thankful for the beating. I'm not thankful for the misunderstanding. I'm not thankful for the misjudgment. I'm not thankful for the scars. That really hurt. But I thank my God when I remember you. Why? Because he says there's a purpose and a plan. God was doing something more. And instead of remembering the scars, I remember. I remember that a family made a decision and was baptized. You know what I remember? I remember that eternity was changed for the person who was an authority over that jail. That's what I remember. Well, I got a lot of things I could remember from Philippi, but this is the one I remember the most. And I believe that God, the Spirit of God, is speaking to you right now. Because so many of us are holding on to that hurt. So many of us are rehearsing the pain that choose joy doesn't even feel like an option to you. That most of the words I've spoken up to this moment, you've shaken your head and you've folded your arms and said, not me. I don't get to choose joy. I don't get to live inside of that purpose of God. But today, I believe Jesus is going to set some people free. You realize when he says the words, I thank. Mike, can you bring up that keyboard? When he brings, says the words, I thank. The word there is actually Eucharista. Eucharist, it's the same, it's, a, it's this overflowing gift of thankfulness. It's the same word that we use to talk about communion, to talk about the Lord's Supper and remembering that Jesus himself sacrificed so that you and I could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive freedom. And so I want to offer us that gift. We're going to close with communion right now. Uh, under every chair or in the chairs backs in front of you, just find on the bottom there the elements of communion. 
communion. Jesus said, I have eagerly waited for this meal. You realize that while Jesus was eating the meal that we call communion, Judas was out betraying him. In the very moment that he was being betrayed, he said, I'm going to pray a prayer of thankfulness. Why? Because he remembered that God was doing something so much more significant than what Judas was doing. And maybe you need to remember today that Jesus' sacrifice is more than enough for you to choose joy. So let's start with the bread. Jesus said, take and eat, all of you. This is my body broken for you. Let's eat with thankfulness together. Let's eat the bread. To turn the cup over to the juice, I want to focus on this for just a moment because Jesus said, this juice represents my blood shed for forgiveness. And it's not merely for the forgiveness of your sins, but it's so that you can forgive others. Having received forgiveness, will you make this that moment that you say, Lord, I, I release them, I forgive them. I remember it different. Right now, I'm gonna end my prison term of unforgiveness to others. Is there a name? Is there an event? Is there an organization? Is there a boss, a family member that you say, you know what, as I receive forgiveness from Jesus, I'm giving him forgiveness. I choose joy. Jesus said, this represents my blood shed for the forgiveness of many sins. If you've never received forgiveness for your sins, there's no better time, church. There's no better moment than right now to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my leader. I ask you to forgive my sins. He promises to fill your heart with his spirit and lead you into a new life. Jesus said, as often as you drink it, remember me. So Jesus, we thank you for forgiving our sins and we forgive those who sin against us. If you agree with it, say amen, and let's drink together. I'm going to ask our whole worship team to come and join us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Heavenly Father, you saw our greatest need. You knew that if we didn't receive forgiveness, you knew that if we weren't set free from our own sins and our own past, we could never find the purposes that you have for us. We could never live out the fullness of the joy that you have planned for us. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the great gift of your son. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness. And because we've been forgiven, we now get to move forward into a new life. And we declare today that all things are new. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Church, I want to ask everyone to stand. We're going to prepare to sing, and I want you to sing like you've never sung. I want you to sing like a people who are set free. I want you to sing like a people who can choose joy because God is doing a new thing. Come on, church, let's sing together.